you're hungry, because you're listening to Everybody Eats. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Everybody Eats podcast. It's your host, Bensky Belazer. We have our co-host, Edom Ekpi, and we are here with a really special, amazing guest, Miss Nova Lorraine. Thank you very much for joining us on this today's episode. Thank you for having me. For sure, for sure. So for all our listeners, make sure that you um, follow us on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on there, everybody eats podcasts and we'll get into today's episode so uh nova and i we connected um in a fairly different matter we actually connected on linkedin and then uh you reached out i guess about the podcast and then um i messaged you back and you offered your you know your help how can you help how can you be involved so we had a phone call and then i asked her to be a guest on the podcast and here we are so, you know, like I said, and uh, we just uh, finished recording a different episode, um, DMs go a long way. So make sure that you're reaching out. <laughs> Definitely make sure that you're reaching out to people and you never know um, who's going to respond and who's going to be able, be able to help you help you out. So um, for all listeners, DMs go a long way, right? So Miss Nova, would you be able to uh, just briefly introduce yourself? Where are you from? What do you do? And then we'll get into today's episode. Yeah, no, absolutely. I am Nova Lorraine, as you mentioned, and I am the founder and editor-in-chief of Rain Magazine. I am also a podcast host. My podcast is uh, called Unleash Your Supernova, and uh, it was recently nominated for an award at the New Media Film Festival in L.A. Congrats. Thank you. I'm so excited about that. I'm also an award-winning fashion designer and advisor and consultant to creative founders and brands. And in my free time, laugh, 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 I write (laughs) (laughs) and I act. So um, where I'm from, I was born in Jamaica and uh, I'm one of six and my parents immigrated here when I was a baby and uh, I actually did not become a U.S. citizen until I was in my mid-20s. Oh, wow. And um, so I was, yeah, I was an immigrant, a yadi. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what was the third question you asked? I forgot, I'm sorry. Um, and I, well, I think that, that, that's pretty much, I was gonna, it was pretty much um, introducing self, what do you do? Um, so I guess we'll just, from here, we'll just go into the next question. Um, so I know... In 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 the fact you're very involved in the fashion industry, and I remember when we had the call. Um, you briefly described your journey getting, I guess, to the where you actually are now. Briefly uh-huh. describing, um, you know, your your schooling, your fashion, into the the magazine space. So I guess if you could just briefly highlight that story, like how did you get involved into doing what you're doing now, involved in the magazine and in in the fashion industry. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so this is our 13th year for Rain, and I launched Rain about oh, five years into running my fashion company. Uh, but when I started out, uh, when I thought I was, when I was planning my career uh, in high school, which is so funny how we plan our careers in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
oh, how that changes so much. But anyhow, um, I wanted to go into medicine. I wanted to become a doctor. And so, I, you know, fast forward a few years, I was, in, was accepted into a PhD program for clinical psychology. And so that's what I was doing. And I was on my way. And I, one day I had a, a strong epiphany that how I was going to help people was through my love of fashion. And just to set the stage here, I lived in the middle of Connecticut. I'm a, from a traditional Caribbean household where you pick one of five careers, okay? <laughs> and it's not art or fashion. <laughs> nurse. And, <laughs> nurse, doctor, yeah. what, engineer, yeah. lawyer, and I think teach, not, yeah, teacher, right? <laughs> that's it. That's it. And so where did this come from? Obviously, it was a, a divine calling, and it was so overwhelming, I, I could not ignore it. And so uh, with the help of my advisors and department chairs, I finished up with early with my master's, moved to New York and enrolled at the Fashion Institute of Technology. And for those of you that are in fashion, you know that is FIT. Mm-hmm. And so I graduated with a design degree specializing in intimate apparel and um, moved outside of New York into the D.C. metro area. My husband was uh, training, uh, doing his residency in urology there at Howard and I spent about three years there in corporate uh, doing interior design uh, studying entrepreneurship and marketing and because I knew deep down that one day I would return back to New York I didn't know how or when but I was very intentional I knew I I was going to be back in New York I was going to launch this fashion company I was going to become the next Russell and Donna Karen Calvin Klein (laughs) you know some of the big brands at the time and uh, sure enough, I, three years later, I was back in New York and with the amazing support of family and friends, launched Nova Lorraine. And the funny thing is, or not so funny, depending on how you look at it, we moved to New York late August of 2001. You're getting, you can see where I'm going here. Yeah. I launched my company, my collection, um, along the Hudson River in Westchester, New York, the most perfect sunny day on September 1st, mm. 2001, mm-hmm. and um, 10 days later, the world changed, at least for us in New York and yeah. many places in the country, and so here I am, you know, young designer in New York and, you know, trying to make my way, which was which was really interesting during that time period, especially being of color and uh, designing within the hockey tour space, which was not a common combination. And I, I did that for about five years and very grateful for the recognition I received along the way, which included uh, Best Hawk Tour of the Year Award nominations by the Fashion Group International, uh, placements of my product on The View and Essence Magazine, Italian Vogue and various films. And along that journey, as I was meeting some of the most incredible talents and fashion culture and technology, which is all tied together in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, I started consulting accidentally. I would meet other creatives and founders. I would share ideas with them and they would hire me to help execute them. Mm. So I've been doing that for the last two decades and it's all been word of mouth and very organic. I truly love helping people. And five years into my journey of uh, entrepreneurship, of creative entrepreneurship, I had the aha moment when the idea of Rain Magazine came to me. Mm. And that's when I put the puzzle pieces together of that vision I, that I had in graduate school and how I was going to be help, able to help all of these people through my love of fashion. And by creating a 
fashion forward publication that covered those three areas that I mentioned, fashion, culture, and technology, and being the Sherlock Holmes of uncovering the next big names in those areas, I felt that I could truly bring a platform to life that was committed in helping these individuals grow. And Rain was born. And here we are 13 years later. Wow, wow, wow. That's an amazing, that's an amazing story. Thank you. Definitely, definitely. So, Edom, do you have uh, do you have anything you want to ask? Uh, I mean, going through your journey, what would you say is probably? I, I guess I'm gonna ask two ends of the spectrum. Um, the most challenging thing that you know I'm sure um, may have made you want to give up, and then on the other end of that, what like what what would you say happened, or what day did you realize? You know, uh, what what day, at, other than your the day you got your, you felt like you had that strong, hey, all right, sorry, let me, let me start over. <laughs> yeah, um, no problem. <laughs> um, what day, like, what moment would you say you felt like giving up? And then on the other end of that, what moment did you feel like you should continue this and keep it up? So I would like to say that there were moments, <laughs> many <laughs> of course, moments. Of course. Um, as most entrepreneurs realize while you're in it anyway, maybe going into it, it's a different story, but while you're in it, it is truly a roller coaster of highs and lows. And I don't know if that ever goes away because, um, I, I, you know, from what I see with not only myself and others, uh, that I've met and become great friends with, we tend to be perfectionists Mm -hmm. and, you know, as creators, there's always something to create and to make it the best version of itself. Um, But going back to uh, addressing, I think, what you're getting at in terms of the challenges and obstacles, there's a few that really stand out in different phases of my journey. So when I was in design school, my husband was about four hours away, as I mentioned, and I um, had to commute every weekend to see him, which was challenging as my classmates were in the class room and the labs working, I was on a bus. And so I had to finish everything within a shorter amount of time, all while juggling a job and multiple internships. Well, um, two or three months before, actually two months before graduation, I find out that I'm pregnant. And that first trimester, most women experience the most challenging symptoms of fatigue and nausea and and, um, other things. And I had them Think about the extreme, I have them. And here I am, it's an extremely competitive program right before graduation, and I could barely get up in the morning or stay up during the day, eat anything, um, complete my assignments, attend classes. And that was challenging because everyone is fighting for that golden ticket at the end of the semester, the you know, the the dream internship job or the or the dream job or the dream internship. And I could barely get to class. (laughs) And so um, my professors were very gracious and understanding. And, you know, I was able to graduate and still maintain uh, my grades, at least at a decent level. And but at the same time, this vision I had and this this path that I was building up so aggressively that whole year and landing, like I said, either the dream internship or job was suddenly taken away. And, you know, New York, you know, by yourself as a, as a parent, 
um, in the fashion industry. Yeah, no, that wasn't going to work so well. And so I moved back to D.C. where my husband was training and had to just figure out how am I going to continue this dream I had. I mean, it was right there. And here I am in D.C., not the most fashion forward city. And mm-hmm. um, but it was just holding on to that vision and just knowing deep down. And, and I'm sure there are moments when you just know that like, there's no doubt in your bones. Like I just knew I was getting back to New York. And so what did I do? I shifted my attention instead of sulking and saying, oh, you know, why does me? I really embraced the joy, the little bundle of joy I was carrying and said, okay, well, this is just a time for me to plan and build up some skills I don't have. And that's what I did. And the universe conspired and and got me back to uh, New York City. Another moment that I feel was extremely challenging as a designer um, looking to build uh, a luxury brand there's a lot of money involved in doing that and I would get so close all the time to sources of investors or uh, financial institutions to the yes and it was like I would get to the final like 10 yards and then the answer was no mm-hmm. and I'm like are you serious you like the business plan you like the product you like me like what is the deal like what and why the very last moment and that was so frustrating because it takes so much energy and so much effort just to get in front of the right people and, and to have a successful pitch and all of that. And I one day just said, you know what, I am tired of putting my, you know, my dreams in the hands of others. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to be the one to forge my path. And I'm, and I'm just going to do it the way I can do it. And so I moved my showroom from 7th Avenue to Westchester and then expanded into a store uh, as my family grew, I had four children by the time I opened my store, wow. ranging from like uh, a month to eight years old. <laughs> so, um, and then I decided that I was going to launch a magazine without any background in, in, in uh, working for a magazine. I mean, I had a consulting gig as an editor for a publishing house, but that was it. And, and I remember sharing this dream, this, this idea that I had with uh, a really well-known owner and publisher of a magazine in the area. And I said, Oh, I was, I admired her so much. And I was like, I too want to, you know, open my own magazine one day or launch my own magazine one day. And and she looked at me as if I was maybe like my aunt on the ground, (laughs) (laughs) like pretty much. Okay. Little girl, whatever, you know, don't even think about it. And that hurt me to the core because I was, I admired this magazine for, for so many years and here I am like I finally get a chance to meet the publisher and the founder and she completely dismissed me and but you know my nature is you know if you were going to say I can't do something my response is watch me and so you know I feel like the best revenge is success and so I was like okay you just literally put the nail in the coffin for me in terms of saying I don't have a choice but to create this magazine and make it successful. So that was another challenging period where I could have said, you know what, she's right. You know, who do I think I am? You know, but, um, I got over it and said, Nope, I'm marching on. And so I don't know, the list goes on and on, but those are some moments that jump out at me. Nah, definitely. I think that's amazing. There are so many points (laughs) that I want to to kind of just uh, briefly touch on that, that you made. Um, the first thing was just like, I love seeing that tenacity and especially like, I, I think it's very appropriate in celebrating our uh, Women's History Month of just, you know, highlighting that tenacity of, you said that 
found out you were pregnant while, you know, during your last semester. I can't imagine, like, everyone, whether it's graduate school, obviously graduate school is a little bit more pressure, but I know just, like, from, you know, undergrad not too long ago, I know that usually that last semester is when things heat up, you try, everything has to be perfect, so that added, uh-huh. you know, that added pressure, I, I couldn't imagine. But, you know, that's amazing. And then also just seeing, um, that's not the first time I've heard of a story where, um someone either looks up to a specific person or a company and then when they finally get the chance to meet them um they they feel like they've been dismissed i feel like that's not the first time i've heard that story so i actually just like hearing it but that was probably the first time i'm hearing it in person though you know so um you know seeing that that i I can't imagine like that hurts you know we all have role models and people we look up to um just naturally right so um and having having that uh you know that 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 feeling of dismissal is not good but i love the i love the reaction where it's like all right well watch me you know or like i bet you know like that's the way i see it (laughs) like you think i can't do it did you say i couldn't do it (laughs) bet watch (laughs) that's right so i love i love hearing i think that's really encouraging for one that's encouraging for myself and especially for the for the listeners like you know you heard you heard it from right here like if if if, if, if life tells you no, right, or, you know, you feel like someone is maybe holding you back or if you have that idea that you really want to pursue, like, you're not going to take no for an answer from anybody, right? The only person stopping you is yourself, you know, and right. we just had a guest that says, um, who said, you know, 100% things that you do get done, right? So, you know, all it is, yeah. is all it's about is taking those actions, no matter what the world throws at you or whatever people throw at you. So I think, right. I think, I think that's amazing. Um, so I think um, that uh, that will conclude this first segment. Um, we'll wrap this up and then we'll go into our second segment of the word of the day that Edom has that quote for us. All right, we are back for our second segment for the quote of the day. Edom, he has that quote, so we'll guess who it's by and where it's from. All right, I'm pulling it up. All right, y'all ready? Yes, I am. Yep. What would men be without women? Scarce, sir, mighty scarce. Sounds like it's from a movie. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it's from Hamilton. Nah. nah, that person is no longer here. If you want to quote, they are no longer living. Um, no longer living. It's a guy. Where would men um, be without women? Would it be Sherlock Holmes's running mate? Watson. Watson? <laughs> no. Hmm. No, no, no. Hmm. I don't think I'll go get this one. All right, tell us. Oh, nah, Bessie got a guess. <laughs> uh, man, no longer living. Man, I really have no clue. Uh, pre- is he like a president? No, not a president. No, no. Not, they're not a president, not like, his profession wasn't anything. This person is well known, but his profession wasn't anything, you know, too special. All right, give us the industry at least. What was the industry? Um, he used pen and paper for his uh. He's an author. Like that was like 
he was a writer and author, so. I got no idea. Dr. Seuss. No. Um. Yeah, I really have no idea. Okay, and nobody else. No, no, no other takers. Nah. Okay, so it was Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Ah, is that from a book? But is it from a book? Uh, I, I just think it was a quote. I don't think it was in a book. Got it, got it. So, what would men be without women? Scarce, sir, mighty scarce. Amen. And, you know, on that point, I, I would not be here without my mom. I would. I probably honestly would have been in, like, Nigeria or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really honest. I would not have been here. No, so that... I could really speak to that. Definitely, definitely. Um, I'm I'm a mama's boy from the from the jump, and I'm still yeah. I'm proud. Mama's boy, and I'm proud. So, but um, in in seriousness, just uh, um, you know, it, it's it's great being able to one have Nova on the podcast, and all the women we've had on the podcast have been bosses, right? So, shout out to um, Rua Hamid, shout out to 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 Carmine. Um, I think it's great that, you know, this month we're, we're definitely highlighting some, you know, great, great women and just making sure that we understand that, you know, there's, there's never any need to hate, you know, and, um, going back to mom, like when she listens to this episode, she's going to like this, but, uh, a lot of things I learned just about my job, like, and a lot of things I've learned about just like social interactions and things like I learned a lot of that from my mom. Cause she, she always, always making sure that, um, you know, I, just that I'm, I'm interacting with people in a nice and polite way, right? And it seems kind of simple, but, um, you know, she would always tell me work stories of something that happened at work, how people interacted. And she always instills in me making sure that, you know, just as simple as I'll come into work, making sure I say good morning, right? Like just simple things like that. Like she's yeah. always making sure, right? When it comes to interaction with either like my managers or people on her level or people below her, cause she's a manager at her job. So but she's always telling me, you know, examples and experiences of how to interact with people, you know, that work with you. Maybe people that are higher than you, lower than you, people, you know, making sure that you're greeting people always nice and um, always telling me these lessons. And it was funny because um, as, as a kid or while I was in school, they didn't always apply. But then as soon as I got a job and literally I saw everything that she's been telling me, it was like, oh, this is nuts. Right. And it's like, obviously, <laughs> obviously, mom is always right. But, you know, that's just something that I can never take for granted because um, that's like even just when it comes to networking, you know, that that relates back to just like simple networking. And when you're being an entrepreneur, interacting with people like that's a huge part of the business interaction networking. And so that's just something that um, she's ingrained in me and instilled in me. So love you, mama. <laughs> but um, I think that's just that's just something that's really, um, really important and definitely not to take uh take for granted and of course without women who's giving birth to the babies hey, that's, that's a fact <laughs> that's a fact that's why we be scarce definitely definitely alright so we'll go into uh, our final segment after another quick break welcome back to the last segment of today's episode so on uh, today's we will be discussing two posts um, from Instagram. The first one is from uh, Ash Cash, or you know, on Instagram, I am Ash Cash. 
so actually, I started watching his content through EYL and your leisure. You know, shout out to them. I gotta bring them up all the time. So for this post, um, maybe I'll actually have this post playing in the uh, in the video so listeners can see it as well. But um, for this post, uh, essentially he talks about you need to do less asking and more telling. So um, in the video, he goes on to tell a story about how he was actually trying to sell um, his his friend's mixtape. So when he went into the barber shop, he tried to he was asking the barber like, "Oh, can I give you this mixtape?" And the barber, you know, really wasn't about it. They didn't want it. And then his boy went to the same barber shop and pretty much told the barber like, "Hey, I'm putting my mix mixtapes in here." And then whenever people buy them, you know, we could split it. And then he came out and then, he, you know, Ash Cash was like, oh, like, how'd you do that? And you saying his OG told him, like, you have to do less asking and more telling. So then he then uh, goes on to say how he went into banking and um, in, in banking, how he was setting up, uh, helping people financially. He was more, instead of necessarily, first he would ask what their needs are. And then based on their needs, he was telling them the product or service that best meets their needs, right? So instead of asking them, oh, I, um, do you want this product or anything like that? He was telling them, he was telling them, this is the product that you need, right? So, and then going saying that's called assumptive selling. Um, and pretty much said so also say this, I think um, definitely as an entrepreneur, right? With the point of being an entrepreneur, you have a product you want to sell, right? So I think... The idea of doing less asking, more telling, being a little bit more assertive. Um, that's just something that I really uh, dwelled on. I really dwelled in my head. Just different ways to, you know, if you if you do want to sell a product, right? Different ways of tips, selling tips. And also ways of, you know, um, I think it ties back into confidence a little bit as well, right? If you have a product that you truly believe in, um, it's perfectly fine to go tell someone, hey, this is you need this product in your life. Right. And it comes back with confidence. Right. If you're confident in what you do or what you have, you can have that confidence to go up to someone and be like, hey, based off what you need, you need this. Right. And I'm not necessarily asking you. I'm telling you. Right. So um, I think that's just something that that uh, that really resonated with me. So um, what I know you two saw the post. So what, what were your takeaways? Or how did you feel about it? So I guess. Eden, yeah. yeah Norway, you can go first and Eden, you can take it after. Yeah, so I, I kind of chuckled because I literally was on the phone with <laughs> uh, an individual earlier today that literally told me that we're having a call next week and we'll discuss more of your needs then. And um, by the way, send me this, 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 and that. And I was <laughs> like, whoa, what just happened? Here? <laughs> I was like, okay, when are you available? I was like, I literally just agreed for him to be my um advisor <laughs> so it does work it just had that experience today yeah. um i think i think a couple things i think it goes back to storytelling and the gentleman that went in afterwards um had a story and in his story he's leaving a product that he believed as you mentioned had value and this other person was going to be another character in the story <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. And so he left. And I think um, if we focus on, like you said, the value that we're providing and we really believe that we're helping people, that's what's going to shine through. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think the challenge that entrepreneurs have and creatives, especially if it's a product that they personally produced, then it's not just 
you know, asking someone to buy, um, I don't know, uh, insurance, you know, you're not the one who created the policy, but asking someone to buy your fashion design or your painting or this new tech gadget that you've created, it's literally an extension of you. And so that no hits so much harder than you going around selling new cable, you know, um, cable, you know, uh, accounts for like uh, Xfinity or something like that. And so how do you get past that? And I think that if we sort of separate our ego from the product and and it's, it's a lot easier because we see it as a personal form of rejection. But if, if we are like, no, listen, I created this tech gadget. I created this app. I created this garment because I truly believe it's going to make this person happier or smarter or cooler or whatever it is. That's what we need to focus on and pay attention to. Definitely. Definitely. I love that. And Edom. Well, I feel like um, everything is like a business deal in a sense. Um, mm. Having someone tell you, uh, hey, I don't think, in the case of the CDs, I don't think this is worth putting in my um, barbershop on the stand because you weren't aggressive aggressive enough to tell them, like, hey, I'm going to put this here. And then he went and uh, in the post, his friend went and uh, went in on his behalf and negotiated, hey, keep it here. Uh, we're going to sell it, and then whatever happens, we, we split it 50-50. So on top of not only telling him what was going to happen and, you know, if he had just told him that and the guy straight up said no, he negotiated and said, hey, you're also going to benefit from this uh, this transaction from what's going on. And just in real life, um, although maybe you, not all parties can benefit, I think the notion of telling someone or telling multiple people how much you're worth and what your product is it gets you much farther than timidly approaching them and saying, oh, you know, I think you should this, I think you should that. Because a lot of people, uh, they will try to put a, a, a price tag on something you worked on. Yeah. So I really think uh, firmness and on, on top of that confidence in, in your product and what you're doing goes a long way. And even outside of business, uh, just today I was teaching my sister how to drive. Uh, confidence really plays such a, a big key in that as well. You know, um, for example, you know, she, she's not a confident driver. She's never driven before. But um, just the parallels in, in both is just really just, just amazing. I want to, I, I think those are excellent points, and it, it brought something to mind. The confidence piece is huge. And, you know, part of, part of, I think a solution in sort of getting there as the owner, creator, founder is to kind of detach yourself from it and, you know, know that whatever is meant to come to you will come to you. And so if the person says, no, that wasn't meant for you. Just keep it moving. You know, if you went in with 110% and if they felt that it wasn't going to serve them, you wouldn't want them to have it anyway, because they're only going to bash it, you know? And um, so sort of just, being confident in the fact that those individuals that need to see the value will see it when you present it in the right way. And um, there was another point that that came to mind in, oh, giving before you expect to receive. Mm -hmm. And so the gentleman that brought the CDs in, he literally left 
product there. So that's that in itself is an act of trust. And he didn't say, okay, I want you to sell these for me and I'll be back. Or as, as the gentleman said, can you please buy these for me? Or he said, no, I'm going to give you some of whatever I get. And I'm not asking you for anything right now. And I think as entrepreneurs, if we keep that in mind to be in a position of giving um, before expecting anything in return, then we're going to see more abundance. And also coming from a place of abundance, like the second guy came in and said, I know we're going to make money because if we weren't, there's nothing to split with you. So I'm just saying the money I'm going to make, I'm going to split it with you. That's coming from a place of abundance. And who does not want to be a part of that? So also, I think in whatever that story is you're telling to put it in a framework of how the person is going to get, you know, or be more prosperous or, you know, like I said, whatever that value is that you're providing to them. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, Would you say an aspect of humility would, uh, uh, would you say he's He was humble in the, uh, in the act of being willing to split 50, 50 with the owner of the store. I don't know if I would describe that as humble. (laughs) I don't know if that came across. Um, Mm Not that he was egocentric or narcissistic. Yeah. I, I just, I felt, I feel that he truly believed that this was something that would sell. Therefore, I'm going to give you some of what I'm going to make. And I think it's that confidence and coming from that place of abundance and also being willing to give something. And all of those things work. You know, at the end of the day, we're selling to people. We're not selling to machines. And if we take the time to understand how people act and behave, or just understand ourselves, how would we want to be approached? How would we re- how would we respond? And sort of you know sort of reverse roles. I think that we would approach those situations so much differently. Definitely, definitely. I think um, one thing you know I think for people to fully understand also when we say assertive, like you don't, there's, you can be assertive and not be rude, right? Like I don't want people to think that being assertive or telling people means you have to be rude, like shoving in their face. There's always like a finesse and a strategy to it, right? There's always an, a, an approach. Um, but while you could, but you could still be assertive, right? And still nice, right? You can still be assertive and confident without, you know, rubbing someone off the wrong way. And similar to what you said, um, you know, if someone doesn't buy your product or anything like that, right? I think something as as an entrepreneur, this covers like a couple of points right here. Comes as an entrepreneur, if someone doesn't buy your product, um, don't take it as necessarily like a personal attack because it's easy, like you said, like sometimes it's easy to feel like that, right? Like if I'm selling, um, you know, if I'm selling T-shirts, right, or say, you know, if you're you do makeup, right, or if you you know you you, you design art, if someone doesn't buy your product, they're not necessary. It's not always a personal attack. And sometimes it can easily feel like that, like, oh, like like you said, it's going to hurt a little bit different than if I'm selling a product for someone else or I'm working for a company and they tell me no. It's like, all right, sure. All right. But like, hey, like I put work on this and I'm offering to sell it and I'm offering you to have it and you tell me no. Yeah, that can hurt sometimes. But, you know, you have to be able to move on from those and be able to understand that, like, hey, if they didn't want your product now, then, you know, I have that same approach. Be like, all right, bet. Watch me. I'm going to go sell it to someone else and soon you're going to want it. And you're not going to have it as sweet or maybe have it, you know, maybe it's going to be more expensive later when it has, you know, when you really want it. Right. So I think it's just it goes back to having that confidence goes back, um, you know, to all that and just realizing that, you know, some people are just going to tell, you no. Um, But then there's also, you know, like a finesse to getting people to really understand and sit down 
and really, you know, resonate with your product. So, you know, it takes it takes a, a couple of things. I think that comes with like learning time and experience. Um, but definitely that's something that, you know, all entrepreneurs, whatever you have, definitely to keep in mind, like if they say no, don't take it personally. Kind of like, you know, Norva said, like you can detach yourself a little bit from it, even though it's yours, you worked on it, detach yourself a little bit from it. So when you're selling it to someone or trying to pitch it to someone, so you don't have those feelings of discouragement, like, oh, they don't want my product. That means it must be bad. I must be doing this. Like you don't want any of those negative thoughts, right? You just want to be like, all right, next. You know, because yep. someone, someone's going to, someone is going to want it. Right? That's right. So Absolutely. Um, I think that's just, that's definitely important to understand. So moving on to the next post, um, it is again um, on Instagram. This is by Prince Donnell. Um, so Prince Donnell, he actually owns a tax company called Jumping Jack's Tax. Um, again, I found him through EYL. And in, the, in this video, um, this title, Don't Let Your Mistakes Diminish Your Confidence, um, playing words with confidence. Um, but essentially throughout the video, he's he just talking about, um, you know, stories as an entrepreneur where maybe, you know, you make a mistake or you have certain failures and not letting that kind of goes, goes back to confidence, right? Not letting those mistakes, failures, shortcomings, you know, get in the way of, you know, your, uh, your confidence, you know, either in yourself and your product or what you do, right? So, um, you know, I, we, we discussed it a little bit earlier. Nova, she went up to the publisher, right? And she explained, she explained her idea saying like, hey, I want to open up a magazine. And having that, you know, dismissed feeling like it could have been easy for, you know, for, for her to, you know, the, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. Maybe she's right, you know, and, and you know, go, go away with that. But instead, it's being able to take those you know, if you want to call it an L, right? If you want to be able to take those experiences and turn them into a positive and turn them into like, hey, this is what is going to motivate me now, right? So it's important to whatever, you know, business venture, whatever your brand is, whatever you're promoting, trying to sell, right? Whatever that you do, that those mistakes and those, you know, L's or those feelings of discouragement, they will come as an entrepreneur. Like I mentioned earlier, it's a series of lots of highs and lots of lows. It's just nature of the game, right? And it's not about the highs and lows because those will come. It's more about how you react, right? I think that's where, that is where, you know, the winners, those where people succeed is the reaction. Like, are you going to let the, are you going to get cocky when, when things are going well and then make dumb mistakes? Or, or are you going to get, you know, discouraged when things are going bad and then, you know, give up? Or are you just going to take it for what it is and be like, hey, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, things don't sell. Maybe sometimes, you know, things sell a lot. But it's how can we just move on to the next play? What can we do for the next play? What can we do the next day as well? So, um, that's, that's my take on it. And, um, Edom, you, you can give your piece on that and then we'll go to, uh, Nova after. Um, honestly, you said a lot of what I was <laughs> actually said, <laughs> but, um, definitely, uh, a lot of people think mistakes are the end of everything. And just like Nova said, being able to detach yourself from, I wouldn't say, you know, at least the whole idea of detaching yourself wouldn't work too much in this case, but not letting it get, get like getting your head too much and distract you or prevent or discourage you from wanting to continue, uh, moving on and going forward in your, in your, um, endeavors. And I lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's all right. Point. I had a big point coming up. I had a that's crazy. That I really blanked. 
Wow. All right. We'll, we'll come back. <laughs> we'll come back. No, but do you have a piece? Yeah. Well, you know, in the segment that I saw, he opened it up with a story about Kobe Bryant and missing, I believe, um, five shots that could have uh, allowed them to win the game. I think it was a, a championship game. Yeah. And he just was like, okay, moving on. Next. And I think that's what we have to do. Of course, you know, you don't want to take major mistakes lightly, and I've had many, um, but you will survive. And, you know, as Eden, Eden said, it's not about the highs and lows. It's about the journey. And Kobe, it, how he answered the, you know, the different people that were coming up to him saying, are you okay? Yeah. How do you feel? And he's just <laughs> like, oh, I just missed, what? I just missed five passes. There's going to be another game. There's going to be another tournament. Yeah. He was excited and passionate about the journey. And he knew that if you're going to be playing basketball for however many years or you're going to have, you know, however many games, you're going to have missed baskets. It just so happened that five came in a row. Yeah. The same game. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what, you know. But it also probably made him stronger. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as I'm a parent and I can speak on this as parents, you know, we get so caught up in the in the concept of perfection and winning and winning now and all the time. And and but really, it's our failures in which forces to grow. You know, it's the it's coming up from those lows that make us look back and appreciate how far we've come. And so it's almost embracing those moments to say, well, you know what? We're not meant to stay on the bottom. We're not meant to be in a low space. So that means something great is coming. It can only come up, go up from here. Kobe knew something great was coming. If he was going to have five missed baskets in a row, okay, all right. Well, I know that I'm looking forward to something that's going to be better than this. Yeah. And I can aim for something. And what did I learn from this? Maybe he's practicing his shots, you know, whatever it is. And so I think that if we see failure as a moment of growth and maybe it's a moment of reflection, you know, um, then we can adjust better and not emote, get so emotionally impacted by the failures and saying, oh, what can I learn from this? You know, like, okay, yeah, give yourself those five minutes, those five hours, no more than five days, okay, <laughs> to, you know, to sulk or whatever. But then, you know what, let's go. Yeah. You know, stop hating yourself, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah, it happened, it happened for a reason. Are you going to learn something from it? You know, or you're going to let it, you know, keep you down. And so, perspective is huge and so i think that it's really positioning ourselves to say embrace those moments of you know when your stomach drops as you're you know going down the the roller coaster ride you know it's coming you just embrace for it and you say all right time to go up time to chill you know and you're going up and you're going up mm -hmm. and so i think if more entrepreneurs more children i guess early on are taught this and then young you know young adults and the entrepreneurs are saying just brace yourself for those moments and when you are there you know take those few minutes that you need to acknowledge the uh, that punch in the gut and then say all right well what am i gonna you know what am i gonna learn from this or how can i you know um, rise from this you know and yeah that's my take on it definitely definitely so Ian, do you have any final remarks yes it, it came back to me <laughs> um, he meant he mentions in the video how uh, on top, like on top of the whole failure thing, he he knows his audience. So he himself he doesn't fail as much as uh, as he used to. And, and I just want to build off that, like on top of knowing your product and knowing what you have to offer, you also need to to understand your audience and who you plan on marketing to. Excellent um, point. Excellent for point. like, yeah, 
like a let's say like a, a clothing line or a business who you could market that to almost everybody whereas a business podcast like like we have right here it may not apply or or interest many people from in our age group you know between like maybe 18 and 23 and it's not going to reach as many as a clothing line would you know only those who who are really you know in tune with podcasts or or business podcasts per se would be more inclined to come sit here and and click and subscribe and listen every week so if you're out here marketing to every tom dick and harry on the street you may not get that satisfaction or that success that you've been looking for and knowing who you plan on marketing to will help a great deal in that so that's my final take that is that is amazing great 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 point i think we gotta have a whole different episode talking about target markets mm-hmm. um that was a really amazing point and that's very true you have to know who you're reaching out to because if you're reaching out to the wrong people you may catch those l's and those rejections but it's out <laughs> to you know it's reaching out to the people who you should be or who would be interested then you'll probably see a lot more love and you will see a lot more love from that audience so absolutely so that that concludes that. I want to thank Nova. Thank you very much for joining us this episode. It was amazing. Thing this was fun. Thank you thank, for having you. me. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing. Edom, thank you again, co-host. Um, so all our listeners, make sure you're checking us out on all platforms. Again, that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, at Everybody Eats. Um, and Nova, how can people learn more about either you, your your magazine? Where can they reach out to you? How can they yeah, reach- absolutely. Rainmagazine.com. That's Rain with the E at the end. R-A-I-N-E magazine.com. We're also on most of your socials um, at Rain Magazine. So you can reach me there. Uh, email us at editors at Rain Magazine for any story ideas. We are always looking for anyone that you feel we feel are the next big names in fashion culture and technology all right you hear it here thank you again for joining us we'll see you guys next week thank you